what we didn't want to make this into, and I never want this to make to make this into, is something, some big heroic act where we go and rescue a damsel in distress, face off to the harasser and cause a big scene. So it was very much about simple things that we can do, everyday things that we can all do when we feel able to do so, to really send a message to the harasser that I see you and that's not okay, to the person being harassed, I see you and what they're doing isn't okay, but to other people around, we can do something. There are things we can all do to create safe, joyful and welcoming streets, parks and public spaces where all women and girls feel they belong and are invited to be active. Hi, I'm Eve Holt, Strategic Director for Greater Manchester Moving. In this series, you'll hear about the work we've been doing with people and partners in Trafford, Greater Manchester, to trailblaze a different approach to street harassment and gender-based violence in public spaces. We live here, our families are here, and we want this to be a safe space for our children to grow up as well. You'll hear from lots of the people and partners involved, including local citizens, community leaders, politicians, commissioners, sports organisations, artists, comms experts, facilitators, performers, and many others, who've all been playing an active role as part of a whole system approach to women's safety, shifting the dial from fear to freedom. In this episode, we explore the actions we can take as individual citizens in our communities to make our streets, parks and public spaces safer and more welcoming. And we'll explore the power of bystander training in equipping us as individuals with the knowledge and importantly the agency to act, to show we care and to help change men and boys' behaviour and shift the cultural norms that have normalised everyday harassment and fear on our streets. So coming up, we speak to Julie co-founder of Freedom Personal Safety, a not-for-profit organisation that was commissioned by the Right to the Streets Partnership to deliver active bystander training to hundreds of people across North Trafford. We delve into what being an active bystander is all about, the training and what difference this is making. Our dream and aspiration is that we are no longer needed because things like sexual harassment have become so taboo and unacceptable that we don't need to talk about it, we don't need to challenge it and that people are very much looking out for each other. Later, I chat with Nicole and Dave from Transport for Greater Manchester, one of the many organisations that engaged in the training, and I get their take on the potential for active bystander training to make a real difference at scale for people getting about Greater Manchester by active and sustainable transport, and now our growing B network. It's all about raising awareness, not just for the staff, but for the general public. So if we can sort of enlist the general public in helping our staff. Imagine how much of a safe place the bus station would be if 70% of the people were active bystanders. But first, I want to set some context and explain why we thought that active bystander training was key to the right to the streets approach. Our right to the streets work is founded on the belief that we all have a role to play to make our streets safer and more welcoming for women and girls. We've therefore taken a whole systems approach to think about all the different things that influence whether or not women and girls feel safe, from individual behaviour to social networks, organisations, the places and spaces we go, our physical environment, the policies that impact on our lives and the cultural norms. 
we refer to these as different layers of the onion, or otherwise known as the socio-ecological model. What we've done is design interventions that would work at each of these layers of the onion, starting with the individual. We know that participating in this work impacts us all at a personal level. We want to move away from approaches that further burden, harm, disempower and exclude women and girls and diverse communities, or that simply demonise men. We want to shift towards forms of participation that instead connect, deliberate, heal, equip, include and rehumanise, building individual capability, motivation, opportunity and resources to take informed action with care. We've tested a number of different ways to do this, to include the participation walkabouts, which we talked about in the last episode, and today we're focusing on active bystander training. We set out at the start of this work to grow a network of active bystanders and allies, people that are equipped to intervene, to pay attention and to take notice and take action when they see instances of harassment of all forms of sexual violence. What we've seen is that people genuinely want to help others, but often don't feel equipped to intervene. We set out a call to action to organisations who had expertise in this area and Freedom Personal Safety responded to the call and were commissioned to deliver how to be an active bystander workshops to people living and working in the Trafford area. Freedom Personal Safety were able to bring their expertise and the five Ds, as we'll hear about later, to equip people with the information they need to act as citizens. So, Let's hear more about what they've been doing and how, and the difference this is making. So, I'm at the Greater Manchester Combined Authority headquarters in the heart of Manchester City Centre, and I'm joined by Julie from Freedom Personal Safety. I'm Julie Tweedale, and I'm one half of Freedom Personal Safety. So we are a not-for-profit organisation established 15 years ago and our primary focus is ending and disrupting violence against women and girls and we're so thrilled to be part of the project. So what is active bystander training? Well, we actually call the session How to Be an Active Bystander because it is really some very practical tips and techniques that people take away that they can use in their day-to-day life. And it's really about giving people permission And helping them to understand that it's not necessarily going up and facing off in front of somebody who's being very aggressive and being very threatening. There's lots of other little things that you can do. And part of that is about, first of all, recognising what's going on and that it's not okay and it makes you feel uncomfortable, makes other people feel uncomfortable. And then it's about, like I say, taking a, a small action. It could be one word, it could be a glance. And I found that rather than just having some guidance on a website, bringing people together in a room to talk about things they've experienced, things they've witnessed, how they feel about these things. That's where the richness is really. And that is when people start to think, ah, yeah, maybe I could do something next time. Or if I think back about that time on the tram, ah, yeah, that's what that other person was doing. So it it makes it really rich, I think. So tell us a little bit bit more about what you've been doing, who you've been working with who's come to these sessions where have they been because we're part of the project and we're kind of using all of your amazing contacts across Trafford we've had a really rich variety of people coming so we've been working with Lancashire Cricket Club the Manchester United Foundation Foundation 92 we've had youth workers we've had people from the St John's Centre volunteers and staff 
And whilst all these people work and volunteer for these organisations, they're also citizens and residents of Trafford. So this is not just come along to this for your, as part of your job. This is come along as a human being. So it's been so varied. And we've got lots of other sessions coming up too with Transport for Greater Manchester, with lots of uh, council staff and local councillors. So yeah, it, it's been fantastic. So one of the, I guess, questions as well that's come up is then, well, what counts as, as harassment and sexual harassment? And lots of people maybe not taking account of the things that maybe feel that make us feel a bit uncomfortable, mm-hmm. might be seen as low level yes. and often maybe aren't put in the box, mm. but actually all those micro moments all mount yeah. up to yeah. that sense of feeling yeah. like you don't belong, you're not welcome, you're not safe, you've got to be on guard. So have you noticed through the conversations that people kind of also widening the lens around what we actually mean when we talk about harassment Absolutely. and violence women and girls. And it's been, and like I say, we always start off the session explaining what sexual harassment is. And there is a lot of terminology and people get confused between things like sexual harassment and sexual assault. So sexual assault on the whole is, is, is touching someone in a sexual way without permission. Sexual harassment tends to be more verbal. So it's things like an unwanted comment about your appearance. It might be a wolf whistle. It might be that cat calling, you know, that, all right, gorgeous, give us a smile. It can be someone standing too close. It can be just someone staring. And it's that gradual buildup, those kind of microaggressions that are happening sometimes weekly for people, sometimes three or four times a week. They build up and they do have an impact. And one of the things we do cover on the session is the impact that it has in terms of our self-esteem, in terms of normalizing it, in terms of blaming ourselves. Well, it's my own fault. I shouldn't have worn this dress. Oh, why did I get the tram home? Because I know I've got that walk back to my flat. These things, being choosing what we're able to wear and, and where we go out and the things that we do are, are, are part of life and we should be able to do these things without fear, without self-blame when someone else chooses to disrespect us. So very much in terms of informing people, this is what sexual harassment is. And in, in terms of the definition of sexual harassment, it very much focuses on how it lands with somebody. So sometimes people will say, oh, it was only meant as a joke. It was a bit of banter. But actually, it's similar to bullying in that way. If it lands with me and makes me feel uncomfortable, then I define it as sexual harassment. And to be honest with you, Eve, you know, like I say, most people are good people. And if we realize that we've done something, and you know what, we've probably all offended and upset somebody at some point in our lives. I'm sure we have. We're human. We make mistakes. But if someone points that out, to us if somebody says or, or, or their response in terms of their body language or they look down or they look upset by that we should accept that that didn't land well with them and respect that and then have no further kind of you know interaction with them it's about recognizing that that kind of behavior and, and you know you use the word low level and it is in the grand scheme of things low level and why focus on harassment in public spaces in work, we have protections, but in public spaces, we don't have those protections. So when it's happening in, in public spaces, it's not classed as a, as a crime, which is why it's even more important that we feel empowered to challenge it and, and to support people who are experiencing it. You know, people will receive and hear things differently and might mm. land differently. And yes. you don't know what their previous experiences are. You don't know what's going on for them. So again, it's it has to be personal, doesn't it? It has to be treated as recognising that it's how somebody it feels for them yes. is what matters um, and Absolutely. not sort of suggesting that 
you know, if one person says, well, that's, I don't mind it when somebody both whistles, I, maybe there's somebody out there that doesn't mind. Mm. That doesn't mean that makes it okay because that'll feel very different for a whole lot of other people. It's not about shutting down connections with people. I want to make that really clear because there's nothing more important, I believe, in life than connections with others. You know, the connection we're having here today, the connection with the, we're having with people listening, it is those connections that make life worth living. And you know, saying hello to people and smiling and making eye contact is a lovely thing to do. If for some reason the person that I make eye contact with or I smile with doesn't want to respond to me, doesn't want to look at me, doesn't return the smile, I just need to accept that. It's just about being respectful. That's a huge part of what we talk about. I guess how have you like hooked people in? What is the kind of key messages that you say this is this is relevant for you and this is what you'll get out of it? It's really interesting because I think a lot of people, when they hear about sexual harassment, they think, oh, it's for women. Because the first step really in being an active bystander is understanding and realizing that something isn't right. So you've got to know what to look out for and understand what sexual harassment is. Now, most women I speak to know what sexual harassment is (laughs) from years and years of experience. So this is a course for everybody. And that was actually a bit of a challenge for us to say, no, this is a course for everybody. So what's been brilliant is because we've had such a variety of um, organizations involved and individuals, we have had lots of men and women and different ages and different backgrounds and different cultures. And it's been that realization of, oh, okay, so this behavior does have a real impact on people. And it has an impact on us when we witness it too. And one of the things that I found fascinating, one of the activities we do on the course, and it was a question, it was kind of like, what would freedom look like? And the freedom they were referring to was there being no men on the earth for 24 hours. Now that's not me trying to exterminate men. (laughs) I'm glad you made that clear. (laughs) Because some men are amazing. Most men are amazing. So we'd actually do this activity on on the course. And I say, if there was no men on the earth for 24 hours, what would be different for you? And a lot of the guys would say, well, it would feel a bit strange, you know, because I always say, obviously, we would allow you to be on the earth. We're not going (laughs) to... Yeah, otherwise it could get quite dark otherwise. So we say, you are allowed to be on the earth. And, and they'd say, oh, it would feel a bit strange. But on the whole, most guys haven't got a lot to say on that. When we go to the women, <laughs> we get a list of, oh, I would walk home on my own. I would go out drinking with my friends. We'd have just a picnic in the park at, at midnight. I wouldn't care what I wore. When I go out, I wouldn't have to think, have I got my flats on so I can run? Should I have my hair in a ponytail so I won't be grabbed from behind? I can just go out and be. And sometimes you'll see the guys sat there going, what? Seriously? Really? And it's a real kind of, whoa. And one of the things I always suggest to people towards the end of the course is, and I ask them to note down in their online calendar, in their diary, or just make a note, one thing that you're going to do, take away from this, and a month from now, just put it in your diary, just as a little reminder. And often people will say, and it does seem to be guys that will say, I'm going to talk to my daughters and my wife about this, or I I had no idea. It's not like we're keeping it a secret. It's just, I think women, we live it from being quite young. But for guys, often they don't understand really what it feels like. So that has been really, really important. And actually, I think that then galvanizes people into action. And one of the things I love about this kind of 
approach of being an active bystander is that individuals taking action, even if it's small action, like I say, like a word, like whoa, or oof, or making eye contact with somebody who's been targeted, individuals coming together are very, very powerful. And when one person does something, you know, if we're waiting at a tram stop and somebody says something and I might go, ooh, and then someone else thinks, ooh, she's just responded to that. I'm going to come and I'm going to say to her, yeah, I saw that too. I heard that. Should we go and check she's okay? When the good people feel empowered and feel confident and feel strong and feel able to, to realize their power, when we come together, that really, really makes a difference. So it's about empowering everyone else in communities to say, no, we don't want this here. Certainly, I've heard from people that have engaged in it, how it has opened up conversations, as you say, kind of both in their workplaces, but also at home where mm. so many people don't talk about their data experiences because we've just become so socialized. It's the norm, yes. isn't it? We don't talk yeah. about it because yeah. it's just that's what you do every day and you don't even think about it and until you stop and you question and you're asked to think about how different it could be and imagine how different it could be yeah. if we didn't have that constant fear, really, of of harassment. So there's been the workshops, but it's also been a whole lot of other stuff that you've now helped shape and inform. So obviously we've had the campaign, which has included some big posters going up across Trafford, um, and they were very much taking some of the learning mm. from the active bystander training. And we've now got some wonderful little um, Z cards and other leaflets that are kind of sharing some of the key kind of tips around being an active bystander. And obviously it's been the focus of our Instagram kind of campaign as well. So can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how you've kind of then helped take the learning from the training and distill that in these other resources and what, what the purpose of that is? Well, what we didn't want to make this into, and I never want this to make to make this into, is something, some big heroic act where we go and rescue a damsel in distress and we, you know, we charge in and we, like I say, face off to the harasser and cause a big scene. So it was very much about simple things that we can do, everyday things that we can all do when we feel able to do so, to really send a message to the harasser that I see you and that's not okay, to the person being harassed, I see you and what they're doing isn't okay, but to other people around, we can do something. So yeah, I just basically chatted like we're chatting now really with Diva, who were the creative agency who came up with all the amazing campaign materials. I know a lot of the content, but the way they've shaped it and they've made it about ordinary people doing ordinary things with an extraordinary outcome, I just think is brilliant. I loved being part of that creative process. I'm glad they didn't ask me to design anything because <laughs> it would have looked very different. And I'm not quite sure how they did it. I guess they're just very, very skilled at what they do. But it, it was lovely being able to share some of the content from the sessions and see it then on these huge billboards and on Instagram and kind of sharing that with, because we promote it obviously in all the sessions we're doing too. I didn't realize we were going to be doing that when we signed up to the project, but it was a joy. I loved it. Well, none of us knew at the start exactly <laughs> what would be the things that were going to kind of flow really, because we all wanted to come from the community, obviously of North Trafford. Um, and what came out quite quickly is actually that the tips and tools from the active bystander training were such a powerful way of enabling everyone to play a role um, and of creating that sense of agency individually and collectively. So it's been great to see how that has kind of then permeated like lots of yeah. the other elements of the project and helped create that kind of ripple effect as well. 
are there any stories that you've heard already just over the course of, you know, what's only been like nine to 12 months mm. of change, any aha moments in any of those sessions or any things that you've heard fed back where it has already made a change for somebody somewhere? Well, in the very, very first uh, training session we ran back in January, there was a guy who came along to the session who contacted me a few weeks later. And, and what we do in the session is we look at different scenarios and what would you do and how would you respond? And we use the five D's methodology for active bystandership, which was created by an organization called Right to Be, who are based in the US, who are brilliant. And this five D's methodology. So basically, it's five different things you can do. We'll begin with D. So the first option is distract. And that's the example I'm going to give you. So we cause a distraction. So it might be if, let's say, I'm waiting at a tram stop and I see someone being stared at, or someone standing too close, and clearly that person's feeling uncomfortable. I might just go up and ask them, does the tram stop at Cornbrook or just start a conversation with them. So what I'm doing is I'm disrupting the harassment. I make a connection with the person who's been targeted without saying, are you being harassed? Can I help you? So the person who's been targeted knows that I've made that connection. The harasser probably realizes, oh, hang on, are they on to me? So that's distract. Then we have what we call delegate. So let's imagine I'm on the tram stop and someone's looking uncomfortable because another passenger stood very close to them and staring at them. There might be other people on at the tram stop and I might glance across and say, have you seen that person there? Do you think she's okay? Should we go up and check? Should we go up and stand near her? So delegate is about getting someone else involved. So that could be another passerby or there could be somebody from Transport for Greater Manchester on the station. And I might just say, can I just mention what's going on down there? So it's about telling somebody else, getting someone else involved. Our third D is document. So it might be that, you know, we're back on the, this tram stop and this harassment's going on. And what I might do is take my phone out and just pretend I'm, I'm doing a selfie or I'm looking at my phone and just take a picture of what's going on. All of these things, you have to feel comfortable doing them. And then it might be that I report that then to Transport for Greater Manchester or I speak to the person who's been targeted when it's safe to do so and just say, oh, I've got a photograph and a description or I might just make some notes. So that's about documenting it. We never, ever post those things online. Then we have the direct, which is what a lot of people think active bystandership is. So that is either going up to the harasser or to the person being targeted and address the harassment. So I might go up to the harasser and just say, I think you're standing too close. You need to step back a bit there. Or I might say to the person being targeted, are you okay with this person standing so close to you? Would you like to come and stand over here with me? There's a bit more room here. The difference is we give a statement to the harasser. We tell them, very short, very clear. With the person who's been targeted, we ask them a question. It's going back to that word that you use, that agency. Would you like to come and stand here? Are you okay? And our fifth D is delay. So I witness the harassment happening and I keep an eye on what's going on. When the harasser moves away or, or gets on the tram or gets off the tram, I then go up to the person being targeted and just say, are you okay? I noticed what happened there and it made me feel uncomfortable. I just want to check you're okay. And that can be incredibly powerful. Also, for a lot of people, means we don't have to intervene when the harasser is still there. So on this very, very first training that we ran as part of the program, there was a guy there. A few weeks later, he contacted me and said, 
I did a distraction and it was, <laughs> and it happened to be on the tram. I know I'm talking a lot about the tram. It's just good. <laughs> it's not because it always happens on the tram, but he happened to be on a tram and there was a young woman who was looking quite uncomfortable and there was a guy stood very close to her. He wasn't touching her, but our active bystander who'd been on the training. And he said, because he'd been on the training, what he did was he had a rucksack on and he went and stood near where these two people were. And he very kind of exaggeratedly took off his rucksack. So actually accidentally on purpose, nudging this guy out of the way and said, oh, sorry, mate. And then stood in the kind of area where they both were and made eye contact with the young woman. But he was there and she knew, she looked at him and she smiled at him and she knew what he'd done. And the harasser just took a few steps back. And he was so thrilled that he'd been able to do that. And there were lots and lots of kind of other stories and things people have done. You know, people have said, you know, I've told all my friends about the, the five Ds. I've sent out the, the number that you can use on, on train services, the 61016 to report any kind of harassment. I've told all my friends. And it, it's, it's just lovely to be able to share these things with people and hear them sharing them with others so that we can spread the word really and get people talking about it. One of the reasons that sexual harassment is so kind of pervasive and it's so dangerous is that it becomes normalized, it gets hidden. And I almost say to people when they come on these sessions or when they're listening to this podcast, use this as the stimulus to talk to your mates when you go out for a drink. Oh, I was listening to this podcast and we're talking about bystander intervention and what you would do and have those conversations. Let's just make it common knowledge so we can say that sexual harassment isn't normal, we shouldn't be tolerating it. And let's just draw a line in the sand now. Just listening to that example, it's moving actually, because I just think how often, how many occasions certainly in my life would it have felt different if somebody had felt able to do that and to have known that you a sense of community and other people around you are looking out. Um, and then also all the times, I'm sure we can all think of, you know, really where we've watched and we've not known what to do and how awful that feels and you don't want to aggravate but you also don't want to turn away and just the difference if you feel equipped as you are equipping people to be able to be active you yes know? yeah and that is the word isn't it it's like you know really be active in those moments as you say we all feel better it so quickly opens up a conversation that I think often hasn't hasn't happened and yes. just gets yeah. stifled and nobody goes there because they don't know what they can do about it so there's a big so what <laughs> Which is fantastic. Yeah. So I guess the next question is, well, then, so now what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really, all of that, which is great. Mm. In the end, it's a bit of a drop in the ocean. It in is. In terms of it this is. is focused within, you know, working lots of great people and partners within a place. Both what are the things that are happening that you can also already see, you know, are going to be kind of ripple out from this? So what is happening? On Thursday, I'm running the session with school nurses. Think about all the schools they're going to be going into and they're going to have a lot of those posters and those Ed Cart. They're, they're going to be... <laughs> they're, they're going to have goodie bags galore. They're going to be loaded down with those things because there's a huge potential there. And also, I mean, outside of the remit of, of the project, we've already kind of made contact with um, Tracy Brabin, the mayor of West Yorkshire. She's supporting a big project over there about making parks safer for women and girls so we're going to talk to them about the impact of not only the bystander training but the whole project 
So yeah, look what you've started. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Gives me goosebumps. We're, we're unstoppable now because this cannot just stop here. And like I say, we've been doing this kind of work previously, but really this has given us such a an impetus to to really really strive forward with this. So just a huge thank you to you and the whole team for allowing us to be part of this really and to develop as an organisation and our ideas and our approaches for this because we're on a roll now. <laughs> honestly it's been such a joy and just watching the waves I think (laughs) the waves have changed well interestingly from social media posts that we've put up we've been approached by Mott McDonald who are an engineering company global engineering company who have offices in Altringham and in Manchester and we're running sessions for their staff you know once they get on board and again we can expand that and roll that out because these are nationwide global issues faced by people every day everywhere and we can all be active bystanders sometimes even if we don't speak the same language as somebody I remember when I was traveling as a as a young woman I was sat uh, I was being hassled on a bus in Romania (laughs) and there was a woman who had bags sat on the seat next to her and she looked up and she could see what was going on we didn't speak the same language she looked at me she nodded she put her bags on her knee and she tapped the seat that was bystander, you know, that was beautifully done. And I was so relieved and I was sat next to her and I felt safe. Yeah, the, the potential for this, I'm, we're talking world domination here now, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we started in, Old Traf- in North Trafford, but we're not ending here. And I think when I think about what's one of the aspirations that I would hold for this is probably getting to a point where we're not using the term active bystander. Because one of the key themes that's come out over and over again is that people feel free, they feel they belong, they feel welcome, they feel safe, they feel invited to be active in our streets and public spaces when they feel that they're part of what they describe in their word as a sense of community. And ultimately, that's what it's about, isn't it? It's you're in a sense of community, all of us, you don't have to know each other, it doesn't have Mm. to be a familiar place, but we're looking out for each other. And we know how we can be active citizens, as you said before. And that that is just one of the things that we naturally all do. We're equipped to be active in those moments, to take care of each other. And it just becomes part of, again, the norm is that's what we do. And, yes. that's, and we all know yeah. how to act. So there's almost a wish that at some point, yeah, that's no longer needed as a separate term. But for the moment, it feels so important yes. because people aren't equipped no. and they, they don't feel they can be active and they don't know what that looks and feels like. Have you got any kind of final aspirations for the future what would what does the dream look like and how do we get there the reason that myself and Elaine set up freedom personal safety all those years ago was when we became mums we wanted our children's experience to be different than ours and our dream and aspiration is that we are no longer needed because things like sexual harassment and all these things that are experienced have become so taboo and unacceptable that we don't need to talk about it, we don't need to challenge it. And that, like you say, people are very much looking out for each other. Ultimately, we'd like freedom, personal safety not to exist, which is in a way is quite sad. But we want our daughters and our sons and their sons and daughters to experience a more kind of respectful uh, way of life, really. We're not going to stop till we get there. So yeah, that's what drives us, really. A respectful way of life. Isn't that an aspiration we can all get on board and aspire to? (music) 
talking of getting on board, Judy mentioned there in our conversation about delivering active bystander training to a whole host of different people and organisations, including Transport for Greater Manchester. Transport for Greater Manchester run one of the biggest transport networks in the UK, looking after the Metrolink, which is Greater Manchester's tram. They also manage cycle hire schemes, bus stop shelters, cycling and walking infrastructure and much more. It's estimated that 5.6 million journeys are made every day in Greater Manchester. So you can imagine the potential of every one of those journeys felt safe and welcoming for every passenger. And in fact, joyful. Perhaps then we would see an increase in the number of people that were choosing to make those journeys by active or public transport. So how can the simple act of being an active bystander support people from getting from A to B? Well, let's find out as I speak to Dave and Nicole from Transport for Greater Manchester, or TFGM for short. So I'm joined in the studio by Dave. My name's Dave, Dave Green. I'm Operational Duty Manager for Transport for Greater Manchester. Basically just involves looking after six bus stations and interchanges, approximately 80 staff. And Nicole. I'm an Assistant Duty Manager. Used to be in stations, used to look after people in a similar way to Dave, but... In the last year, I've been seconded over to projects. So I've been looking after bus franchising. I don't know if you've heard the little thing called the <laughs> B Network. That's uh, just been launched over in Wigan and Bolton. So I've been sort of supporting, delivering that for our department. So Nicole mentioned the B Network there. The B Network is Greater Manchester's integrated transport network, made up of bus, tram, walking, wheeling and cycling routes across the region. At the point of speaking to Nicole and Dave, the network launch is only a few days old. So we ask her what the last few weeks have been like. It's a massive, massive change, but it really is so exciting. It's It's been a busy couple of weeks, hasn't it? Understanding of, <laughs> of the century, really, yeah. It's been absolutely But good, crazy. and do you know what? The people are embracing the change, aren't they? Which yeah. is fantastic, because it, it is a massive change for the whole organisation, but in particular, our department, because they're on the front line there on interchanges they're dealing with the customers and and it's been a massive change but they've embraced it really well the public have embraced it well yeah it's it's, it's the biggest change since deregulation in 1986 yeah. hashtag get on board yes yeah. yes brilliant that was great. <laughs> <laughs> right, write that down <laughs> yeah i can hear like a sense of pride really actually an excitement from the two of you in in the There's work been so much work gone into it i mean there's fundamental things that we've had to change within the organisation, not just the department that Nicole has really sort of done from scratch and nobody's ever done this before. So we never knew really how it was going to be received by the staff, let alone the customers. And it's been, well, it's a roller coaster, I'll say. You, as you just wouldn't believe the amount of work that goes into it. But, do you know, one of the things I've taken from the last couple of weeks is just the sense of team. There's been this massive sense of just community within TFGM and GMCA there's just been a lot it just it just feels like we're all trying to get to this one place and it's just nice to feel that so there's a real sense of shared mission for you know an integrated transport network that works for everybody yeah first of all I guess that point of the team and a sense of community which is really coming across and is really important so you've got your immediate teams can you give us a sense as well of the TFGM team, which I know is part of a bigger Greater Manchester family, as we've referred to then. What's the scale? How many staff overall? There's well over a thousand staff within TFGM. I always say when people ask me about my role and TFGM, I always say any job you can think of, there'll be a job at TFGM. There's something related to that, whether it's marketing, whether it's 
being a porter, whether it's web developer, there's something that anyone can do. It's, that's the scale of it. It's a massive organization, but also still feels quite intimate, which is yeah, straight. It does, that, doesn't that it? That sense of it's, closeness yeah, is, is yeah. something we've managed to keep hold of, which is quite surprising, really. People don't think that oh, TFGM runs buses yeah. and trams. And we also look after traffic lights and highways, well, it's the, et the control room is to have a control room in, in head office, which has cameras looking after all the roads and making sure just helping every area of the organisation yeah. really just to function well. That's 24-7. That's 24-7. 365 days a yeah, year. That's yeah. all, so. It's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And does that include, so we think about all our bus operators, that's a whole other workforce, That's a whole yeah. other workforce. So the operators are their own companies yeah. that they have their own employees. We have a little bit more control over what routes they do and, and things that they do. So we have managers that are responsible for the relationship between the operators, but that's a whole new workforce. So we've got a sense of the size of the team, the workforce, and then I guess that wider influence as well. So there's all the bus operators. And in time, we're also talking about greater control in terms of our rail yes. as well. Yeah. So they might not be part of the same, you know, employed by TFGM, but in terms of influence over kind of ways of working in terms of core values and principles and behaviours, that is growing. Yeah. And that day-to-day -day interaction that people are going to have across, again, as we said, over the walking, wheeling, cycling, on the metro, on the bus, on rail, potentially they're going to encounter somebody where there's an influence that you guys have got. Yeah. So the focus of this conversation is is the active bystander training, which both of you were involved in. Yes. Um, you attended one of the sessions run by uh, the fantastic Julia at yeah. FPS at yeah. Freedom Personal Safety as part of the Rights to the Streets initiative. So it would be great to hear, I guess, first of all, why does that matter for you and your work? Obviously, because we have so many different bus stations and interchanges that um, are staffed and, and the staff have come across instances let's say where they're aware of people being unfortunately assaulted and, and sort of accosted and maybe felt uncomfortable because of other people's behaviours. From a, from a work perspective it would be a way that us as managers, because the training was given to us initially as managers and, and the plan really is to then filter that down to the, the operational staff on bus stations it was a good way of us to get an idea of just how the training would work as a smaller group of people first and then think about how we could then deliver it to the staff in a way that they could understand and also felt like they could embrace, if you like. Because I spoke to a lot of staff since I'd done the training because they're obviously quite passionate about it, as we should be. There was a lot of unanswered questions and a lot of stigma, I think, that surrounded what should we do and what are we allowed to do. So for us as a group of people then, it was a lot easier for us or me to then go and speak to staff knowing what I know now and know exactly what you, you can and, and should do. It's invaluable that we've had that training and the information that, that was given to us is easily now passed on to staff because I can pass it on in, in a way that I can deliver properly because it was given to me in a way that I could sort of take apart and then, and then put into my own words, if you like. So I think one of the things that happens on stations is they just don't know what to do. It's that question of, we've got somebody there who's potentially vulnerable and you get so many vulnerable people traveling through the bus network. It probably get a massive amount of vulnerable people. And we've all been there, haven't we? We've been on a station, there's been a young girl or, or a woman and you're just not sure where, to, what do I do? Where can I point them to? You know, we get a lot of young girls who don't want to go home, but if you call the police, that's what they're going to do. They're going to take them home. Yeah, it was just a, a way for our staff to kind of feel like they could do something 
without having to do something you are doing something but it's it's that knowing how to do it and and in the ways you can do something without actually putting yourself in a position there was a little bit of a stigma wasn't there about I think it's more to do with the focus on women and girls and that obviously the course is vulnerable boys and there's vulnerable men that goes without saying but the focus of of this is was women and girls I think that's where a little bit of the misunderstanding came from yeah. we broke it down and Julie did it was everyone sort of understood then and it, it was they came into it I think with a few there was a little mi- bit of, of yeah of um maybe a, a few doubts and a a little bit of speculation with a couple of managers. Yeah. But I think before she'd got halfway through the training, you could see that yeah, had gone. change completely. Um, and, and how could you not? Because of the way it was delivered and the way it was explained, it, it's it's a no-brainer for anybody, really. And that in itself is just winning to me. Even, yeah, even if that's all somebody took from it, is that mm-hmm. a little misconception was changed. That in yeah. itself is just... Because they would go away and speak to their own yeah. staff teams, hopefully, in a different way than they would have done if they had never had the training. Yeah. So that's invaluable for a start. But yeah. I think we need to get the, the sort of the same message to us all as a management team first. Yeah. And we start there. We'd love to get Julie back and deliver it because I think her way of delivering it is brilliant. But if we can't, for whatever reason, we've got, like Dave said, he'd happily, he feels like, because she sent over so many materials yeah. afterwards and yeah. things that we could use, which was fantastic. Why does that matter for you personally? And my sister suffered horrendous domestic abuse when she was younger to the point where she was hospitalised several times by an abusive partner. But it's not just about the domestic violence side, it's about trying to be there for somebody in any sort of capacity that you can be, just to make them feel a little bit more safe. Our staff with the high vis, just somebody to stand next to. You have to say or do really anything, and that's the beauty of this active bystanding. So the two words are so correlated together, so you can be active, but just standing by, if you like. I explain that to staff. You could also see this like bit of a sigh coming out of him and say, all right, I can actually do something without doing anything. And then the difference you could make, I think, to a person who probably might be in one of the worst positions they've ever been in could be massive by just being there, really. For me personally, I'm a woman and I've been there and I've been in the situation. There's been times where I think it would have been great to have someone who was being an active bystander. And I have two little boys and I want them to grow up it's weird because, you, you you know, people say, well, I have daughters, but it's not with the boys. I think it's so important to teach them. That's a really good point, what you've made. The emphasis on, is on women and young girls, you know, the safety and the fact that you know, they have a right to the streets, as, as we're saying. But they also the emphasis also should be on the male element because that is, unfortunately, what creates the reason that we're here right now, unfortunately. So as a, as a man anyway, I don't want to be one of those statistical elements in that. I want to be somebody who does something positive about it, not that creates any sort of issue for for women and girls. So, But the guy's got the big part to play in it to make these girls feel like they've got a right to be there. And it starts from them being young, and that's what I think with the boys. Because words like active bystander when we were younger just weren't a thing that anybody was talking about or discussing, whereas I can have... I mean, they're nine and seven now, so I've got a little bit of time yet, but I'll be armed with the knowledge as they get older and into their sort of teen years to arm them with, you know, look out for people, look out for me, look out for everybody. But, you know, if you see somebody, I want them to be young boys, teenagers, men that can, you know, support. Which comes back to what you said earlier around, again, a sense of a team and sense of community, doesn't it? So how 
does everybody feel equipped to play their role as part of a, yeah. a community in which we're proud in Greater Manchester that we care for each other. We want people to be able to get about, to get on board safely in a way that's welcoming and it's sociable and they feel comfortable. And it's one of our customer commitments is yeah, to be to able create to travel a, safely. You know, a safe environment safely, for people. Yeah. If you think about how much travel plays in people's lives, you know, it's essential for a lot of people, both from work and a, and a, you know, a leisure. And if you think if some people can't actually just go about their daily business or go out and enjoy themselves with their friends for fear of actually being in a position as part of that journey where, oh my, you know, I've got to go to, yeah. I've got to go here and get a bus or I've got to go on that tram platform and, and last time this, this happened. happened. It, it, it's, it's just unthinkable that. And we're investing all this money, millions of pounds of public money into the B network. And if it's not a safe environment for people, which I'm not saying it isn't, but we need to make sure it's that's it why definitely it's is, yeah. then, you know, why are we doing it? So even people just go into work, a lot of young people, if they're at university, when I was at university, I worked in a bar and I used to get public transport quite a bit until something happened and I was like, okay, I'm going to drive in now. So then I used to drive and pay to park. A lot of young women will work till 11 o'clock. I mean, I used to work till one in the morning every Friday night and I used to do this walk. It was in, it was on a bar in Dean's getting used to walk from there to the car park at Victoria. I'd never wear earphones. I'd never, I'd always walk the longest way with the most light and things. And I just... You wouldn't think that, would you? You just walk, talking today, you just walk yeah. where, you know, so it was just, right. it's things like that that we want to, we just need to make it safe for everyone as, as safe as we can. And, and we do need to change that mindset. We do need to make people feel like they can go where they want to go without thinking that something negative is going to happen. And, and you go back to the staffing, our staff are proud of where they work. And part of that pride and part of that, I think, fulfilment of their own role is going to be looking after People. I mean, we have quite an element of antisocial behaviour, unfortunately, and that does play quite heavily on staff. They do feel like, to a degree, I'd go as far as to say, they do feel like they're failing sometimes because, you know, they're not police people. They can't actually go and physically move people off bus stations for causing antisocial behaviour. But if we can get them to feel that just for a small moment they can help somebody and make them feel more at ease uh, and more comfortable, then you can't put a price on it. That it's It's invaluable. So any examples since participating in the training from, you know, either personally or others in the workforce of anything that people have done differently? Ashton bus station, we do have quite a lot of antisocial behaviour there, unfortunately. One particular staff member did go out and, and put himself in a, in a position that he, he thought was appropriate with this young girl who was getting a bit of aggravation, let's say, from, from a, a male. Turned out it was a brother, though which doesn't make any difference. The, the relationship between the, the two people is irrelevant. It's how the person's feeling or how potentially you think they might be feeling at the time. So he was there and he didn't really do or, or say anything. He just stood there like we've mentioned before in his high vis, looking like he's supposed to be there to do something. The guy actually then stopped giving this girl grief really and, and left. And the girl actually came to him and said, you know, thanks very much for that. And he said, well, I didn't really do anything. She said, you see, but she said, well, but you did. Mm. Which is, again, mm. you don't have to do anything mm. to do something. Mm. You know, it sounds like a bit cliche, but it's 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 so true. The conversation we had a couple of days later when he was telling me about it was quite nice because he was saying, I can't believe how fulfilling that was just by not really doing anything. And as a man, to be able to sort of like do something like that for a female, really, I think it's, I don't know, something I can't really explain because you really do feel like you've done something that you shouldn't really have to do, but so glad that you could. Again, the high-vis thing for us, for our staff to have some sort of high-vis on body camera 
always makes a bit of a difference. If we put people out there with their uniform on and body cams, etc., just to stand around in, in close proximity to people that they think might be having a little bit of sort of grief, does make a, a, a real difference. And it worked for them. It worked for this young girl and it worked for him. So both people got so much out of it. There has been a couple of instances where staff have said that they've gone out and, and stood around. And, and again, it's I can't stress how simple it is sometimes to be an active bystander because you, you don't you don't really need to do a great deal. I actually told my partner about it. He saw like, what, what is an active bystander? So I explained it to him. Didn't really think he'd take it on board or think anything of it. But then it might have been about two weeks later. Um, he came home, we'd gone to Aldi shopping. And he came home and said, oh, there was some guy and this woman having a massive argument. I was like, all right. He goes, yeah, so I just pulled up in the car next to their car. And I was like, sounds like you were just an active bystander. And he, he denied it. He denied that I'd had any influence whatsoever. But I know I did. A thousand percent did. He was like, that's exactly what I was saying. It's just pulling up or just doing something to just be there. It's like, well, nothing happened. They got in the car and I said, but she, the person would have noticed that you were there. So, you know, sometimes you can't, rectify a situation but it doesn't mean you shouldn't try the likelihood is they might get in the car but you might have put something in the guy's head that people are watching you might put something in the female that people are watching it can just trigger some little thing in your brain to just on both sides that might have a bit of a butterfly effect yeah so he was an active bystander he won't admit it but he was it's powerful (laughs) isn't it it is yeah really is so being given the permission to know what you can do that isn't going to cause further problems, it is going to be reassuring. Often, actually, unfortunately, we do need to be given that little nudge or that bit yeah. of permission to go, yeah, yeah, do this and this will help. And I think that's vital that we pass the message on to all our staff. However, we do that. But as soon as we've spoke to them, like the people I've spoke to do feel, okay, the manager said we can. You know, it's a simple yeah. thing. I've just yeah. said you can do whatever you feel necessary to do. Just stand about. Well, Don't say or do anything. Yeah. Just, just be there. Well, that's the thing. I think our staff on stations have been doing this for a long time without realising exactly. they're doing it. They have been active bystanders for 10, 20, yeah. 30, 40, however long they've worked for TFGM. But the difference is it can feel to them like they're not doing anything by just watching. Whereas this, it almost gives them the, no, but this is doing something. It's telling them that the effect that them just being an active bystander is doing. So I think that's what our staff will take away from it because it is something they naturally do. I mean, their job is the safety of the station. That is their job. So that's infrastructure. It's all different kinds of things. But one of that, a big part of that is the people. So it is something they have naturally done. But I think putting a a phrase to it or a word to it will just give them a, a little bit of a boost that you are doing something by just being there and being present or following the five Ds. It's, it's, they're doing something and it's nothing new to them, is it? So you've talked about a few of the things in terms of what next. It sounds like you're already kind of cracking on in some ways with the kind of almost the train the trainer to enable that growth and scale. I guess, is there anything else that you think actually this would be really useful for us now with people who are clear advocates who want to see this grow, but recognise all, I guess, all the limitations on people's time and challenges when you've got other pressures. What's going to really help to spread this to all people, all places and across the workforce? What we have quite often, we do it with the travel safe, don't we, all the time? They'll come into bus stations and interchanges and sort of set up a little bit of a display, if you like, with somebody there that can talk to people about not just the active bystanding, though, but maybe if people feel like they're vulnerable, maybe give advice to 
it's all about raising awareness, not just for the staff, but for the general public. Because how many active bystanders could we get in a bus station full of people? You know, if you're stood in a queue of 20 people and somebody's getting a bit of grief, you've potentially got 18 more active bystanders there that could at least just do something. And out of those, you could think that at least one or two of them will be quite happy to intervene. So if we can sort of enlist the general public in helping our staff, imagine how much of a safe place the bus station would be if 70% of the people were active bystanders. But the people that will benefit from it are not just people that will probably then become active bystanders, or for, at least for that day or for that hour or two hours, that's in their mind. And how many active bystanders might we get just for the next couple of hours? And how many vulnerable people, females, girls, will probably feel not so vulnerable, knowing that there's a, a big display there talking about the things that they've gone through over the last couple of weeks. So we could educate the, the general public into helping us, but also make the people that we're there for have that right to the street again, because thinking, wow, we're doing this for me. They've all got daughters and wives and mums and stuff. So, you know, if we, we play on that, do the emotional thing. It's a on tap. You've got that, all those people. Well, it's the that key, isn't it? Because the jet, I mean, our staff are on stations and interchanges, and we've got a rail station as well in Horwich. But there's that traveling between, that is the general public, and we have to somehow get them on board with this and get them to also take accountability for feeling there, for keeping the network safe for themselves and for everybody else. We can do, you know, all that we can do, but we're not always there. You know, our staff can't always be there because they're sort of static in the interchanges. I think in the immediate future, we we have a new, um, as part of the B Network, we have a group called the TESOs now and they're part of that safety commitment, aren't they? And they are on stations and they will be patrolling at some point and using the network. I want to get them trained as soon as possible. I'm in contact with their manager about that because they that is their role. And I think they'll know a lot of it already, but just again, to reinforce things, I think that's an immediate thing because that is that is literally their role is, is going around and trying to keep things safe and going onto buses and they will be traveling the network unlike our guys at the moment who, who are in the interchanges. So I think that's an immediate thing we need to get them trained on. It's a culture change, if anything. Not even a culture change, because it is something I think a lot of people do. They just don't know they're doing it or they they think about it and think, oh, this is going to do nothing. So what's the point? So they just carry on with their day. Whereas if they realise the cause and effect that it can have, I think people will, because people do, they want to look after each other, don't they? It's not... We're not a bad bunch of people. I know the news will, will you know, tell you differently, but we're not as a, as a whole. So I just think it's getting the message out that this is this is good, this is positive, and this will help. Even if you don't think it will, it will. One other thing I think we could tap into, but it'd be more of a, an interagency piece of work, really, is I think we talked about, didn't we, Foundation 92? Yeah. Is, yeah. is a youth engagement team we work with. You've yeah. probably heard of them. Yeah, yeah. And they come to most bus stations around yeah. the county, liaising and interacting with potentially problematic teenagers that cause antisocial behaviour, you know, boys and girls. I have no doubt that within those groups of people, you've had vulnerable young girls having grief off the lads that they hang around with all the time. We all know that these things, unfortunately, take place. And it might be a re-education or an education for the potential aggressors to make them aware of the impact that they have on young girls and potentially women as they and girls get older. So the Foundation 92 people could be sort of an extension of the active bystander sort of theme, if you like. I'm not saying we should 
paint them as bad people, but I'm, I'm, it's not, it does no harm to give somebody some information that they may or may not read. And again, it's that teaching, isn't it? It's like I said with my boys, it's just teaching. Yeah, Sometimes yeah, sure. people don't know what they're doing is wrong or they don't know how to approach. You know, I think a lot of young guys don't know how to approach girls. It's the first time, or like, you know, if you're 14 years, 15 years old or whatever, you don't yeah. know. So they can do it in an aggressive way or they can do it in a way that feels intimidating or whatever it is. And it is just those, it's just that teaching. It is. Yes to all of that. <laughs> it gives me goosebumps. I mean, I think of my three teenage boys and, you know, it is, you know, them being aware of their own behaviour, but also, you know, they've talked about how hard it can feel to challenge your mates and, you know, how being equipped again with this stuff can help you know how to act and, you know, how powerful that is really. So and it only takes changing the mindset of one boy in a group, maybe the dominant male in that, and the whole group changes. The girls feel brilliant in the group. The lads sort of don't really know they're doing it, but they follow the lead of the, the alpha male, if you like. Just shifts the dynamics and that culture, doesn't yeah, it? You just it break those cycles. And, and then you've got a bigger ripple effect after that because you take that group and they might talk to their mates. And before you know it, it, it grows exponentially, doesn't yeah. it, really? And we have heard, you know, women and girls talk about how it's equipped them to feel like they've got agency to intervene, to be actually bystanders. So just to make that point as well, it's very much about we all can then play a role and you don't have to be six foot. And that's what the, no, the no. training teaches you, that you can, you know, whoever you are, <laughs> you if have If you go back to the bus station thing I was talking about, put a stand there, we could in- include the staff and anybody, you know, we could get the message to, to vulnerable girls and women that if you are feeling a little bit out of sorts, this is who you come to. Go to this window, there's a point of contact, there's a person in the yellow coat, you can say, can I just stand yeah. here with you for a minute because I don't feel comfy. So you become the active bystander because they've approached you. So it, it's, it's a simple thing. Well, that was such a joy to speak to Dave and Nicole. And so reassuring to know that we've got passionate people like them in organisations like TFGM who are really stepping up to crack down on unwanted sexual harassment. For more about the B Network and the region's commitment to travel safety, have a listen to the Active Travel episode in the previous series of the Right to the Streets podcast, where I speak to Active Travel Commissioner Dame Sarah Storey and Transport Commissioner for Greater Manchester Vernon Everett. So that's it for this episode. A big thanks for listening. If you're interested in active bystander training, do get in touch with us with FPS to find out more. As Julie said, we've also created a whole host of different resources that are freely available so that you yourself could help share and deliver active bystander training to people in your workplace or your community at no cost. We really wanted to show you and bring to life what's possible when you equip people with the knowledge and confidence to bring about small changes that can often create a huge impact for someone that's experiencing harassment and over time hopefully put an end to these behaviours entirely. This podcast and the whole of the Right to the Streets project is just the start of the conversation, so we'd love to hear from you. Have you ever intervened when you've witnessed forms of harassment? Has anyone ever intervened when you've been the victim of harassment on our streets, parks or public spaces or perhaps when travelling around by public transport? We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know what works and what you'd like to see happen next to help spread and scale so that more people can play an active role as active bystanders in their communities, streets and in their workplaces. We're looking at different places that we can go to help spread the word, be that friends of parks groups, other community groups, different types of businesses and workplaces, more sports groups, youth groups. The beauty of active bystander training is applicable to anybody, anywhere, at any time. 
and it only takes a couple of hours to equip people with some real tools that can make a big difference. And you know what? It feels good. Whatever your thoughts, let us know and we'll share them on future episodes of this podcast. We've got a few ways you can get in touch. You can tell us on social media, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Simply search GM Moving. And finally, a big thanks to everyone who has contributed to this brilliant episode. This Right to the Street series of the GM Moving podcast is just one element of the Right to the Streets initiative, led by Greater Manchester Moving, Trafford Council, Open Data Manchester and other GM Moving partners. With thanks to funding from the Home Office, that supported this work through the Safer Streets Fund. This series is a Mike Media production.